The story is about God, the knowledge of whose hesed gives the people the nerve to boldly grab opportunities and take risks in order to show his hesed to the people around them. Naomi has been through some very, very dark days. She has felt some bitter blows from the hand of God. But there have been glimmers of light on her horizon. There have been those little reminders of God's loving kindness, God's hesed, that word we learned about last week. Naomi wasn't seeing those glimmers of light at first, but she is now. And the more she sees, the more the darkness is receding. Ruth, her daughter-in-law, has come from Moab with her. She's promised to stay with her, and there's a harvest in Bethlehem. And Ruth is working to provide for them. And Ruth has met a man, and maybe, just maybe, now Naomi is seeing God's hand of blessing in it all. In her own words, she said, the Lord's kindness, the Lord's hesed, has not forsaken the living or the dead. Ruth has shown extraordinary love and faithfulness to Naomi. Hesed, again. She's not just committed to Naomi, but she's also committed to God. And she's left her home and her family and her gods to be in God's place among God's people under the shadow of his wing. And she has met a man. His name is Boaz, and she likes him. So, maybe, just maybe. Boaz. Boaz is a godly man. He's rich. He is influential. He is honorable. He's kind. He's generous. He's a good catch. And he has shown the most extraordinary kindness to Ruth. He has shown her hesed. On top of that, we've just found out that he's a close relative of Naomi's late husband, Elimelech. He's potentially what is called a goel. You remember that word goel? A close relative who takes on to redeem or to buy back the property of somebody who has fallen on hard times? He's potentially a goel and maybe even a lever. Maybe he'll marry Ruth and raise up a child to inherit Elimelech's part in the promise of God. Maybe Boaz likes Ruth and maybe, just maybe, he'll prove to be the answer to Ruth and Naomi's problems. At least 
we thought that. But then just as we were leaving the story last week, well, it seems to have sort of fizzled out. Seven or eight weeks have passed and nothing has happened. Ruth has been gleaning in Boaz's field all that time and Boaz hasn't made any moves. Men. God, God behind the scenes is up to something. The storyteller keeps hinting at that. God is doing something good. He is a God of Hesed. Such an important word. It's not important just in this story. It's important all through the Old Testament. It's the word that describes how God relates to his people and how his people ought to relate to each other. Kindness, pity, tenderness, mercy, grace, love, commitment, loyalty, faithfulness, loyal love. All of those words wrapped up together give you some idea of what this amazing word Hesed means. It means strong, steadfast, unchanging, unconditional, loyal love. And Hesed, we've been seeing, is woven all through this story. Everything is bathed in Hesed, God's Hesed, and God's people doing Hesed to each other. What a picture we're building up. A picture of life bathed, surrounded in the Hesed of Almighty God. Almighty God at work in everything that happens, doing good. A picture of life under the shadow of God's wing. Well, what's going to happen now? Let's see. We're turning now to Ruth chapter 3 and we're going to read verses 1 to 5. Then Naomi, Ruth's mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, shall I not seek security for you that it may be well with you? Now Boaz, whose young women you were with, is he not our kinsman? In fact, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Therefore, wash yourself and anoint yourself and put on your best garment and go down to the threshing floor but do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. Then it shall be when he lies down that you shall notice the place where he lies, and you shall go in, uncover his feet, and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. And she said to her, All that you say to me, I will do. Just to remind you, the story is divided up into four acts, and each act is divided into scenes. Last week, we left the closing scene of Act 2, as I've said, with the impression that things were kind of grinding to a halt as far as the romance between Ruth and Boaz was concerned. Act 3, scene 1, sees Ruth in conversation with Naomi. And Naomi has come up with a plan. Act 3 is a lot like Act 2. Both have three scenes in them, and in both the opening scene is a conversation between Naomi and Ruth. In scene 2, there's an encounter between Ruth and Boaz, and in scene 3, the closing scene, Ruth reports back to Naomi. 
The reason I'm pointing that out to you is just to remind you and to keep in your mind how this story has been so skillfully and carefully crafted. Because it's not obvious when you read it in English. But as somebody who spoke the Hebrew language would have read it originally, it was a very skillfully put together story. And being aware of that is important because it helps us to see which points the storyteller wants to emphasize, what he wants us to pick up on, and it especially helps us to appreciate to see that he wants us to be aware that God's hesed is enveloping everything. No matter what is happening in the story, God is in the background doing hesed. But anyway, Act 3, Scene 1 is where we have come to this morning. We're back in Naomi's place in Bethlehem. And in this scene, Naomi comes up with a plan. Naomi has seen a problem, and she has come up with a solution. And the way she's put it to Ruth is to ask her two questions, but they're not the kind of questions Ruth's meant to answer. They're more like statements, really. Naomi's first question tells us what the problem is. My daughter, shall I not seek security for you that it may be well with you, she says. Should I not try to find a home for you where you'll be well provided for, Ruth? The word she actually uses means a place of tranquility or a place of rest, but that's a home because, of course, that's what a home should be, a place of tranquility and a place of rest. So I guess Naomi is feeling some responsibility to see to it that Ruth is going to be okay after she is gone. I mean, as a foreigner and with Naomi gone, Ruth's position in the place would be very precarious. Naomi's second question tells us what she thinks could be the solution to the problem. She says, Now Boaz, whose young women you were with, is he not our relative? Boaz. Maybe Boaz could be the answer to our problem, Ruth. Well, that seems reasonable. We've been more or less guessing at that possibility anyway. He's a relative. He already knows Ruth. He's been very kind to her. Maybe he likes her. Maybe he would be open to the idea of marriage. Maybe all he needs is a bit of strong encouragement like men often do in circumstances like that. Well, Naomi has clearly been thinking about it a lot. And she spotted an opportunity. He's winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor, Ruth. Now, after the barley was harvested, it was taken to the threshing floor. The threshing floor would have been a flat, rocky area outside the city. The barley stalks, after they had dried out a bit in the sun, were spread out on the rock, and oxen or men in big boots stomped all over it, and they beat the barley with sticks. And they did that until the grain started to come free from the stalks. That was the threshing, and it was hard work on a hot day. But that wasn't the day's work done, because the grain and the stalks still had to be separated. Winnowing meant throwing the mixture of straw and chaff and grain up into the breeze with a pitchfork, and the lighter chaff was blown away the farthest, the straw not so far, and then the heavier kernels of grain would fall straight down onto the threshing floor where it could be gathered up to be taken to market. Very clever process. It had to be done late in the day because that was when the breeze came up. It had to be done in the late afternoon or near sunset. And then the grain would have to be guarded overnight so it could be taken to the market the next day. So Ruth Naomi said, here's your opportunity. Boaz is going to be alone tonight, outside the city, 
Nobody about. Men be warned, women on the lookout for husbands. They're up to all the tricks. So Naomi has spotted an opportunity and she's come up with a plan and she tells Ruth, wash yourself and anoint yourself, put on your best garment. Have a bath, dab on the Coco Chanel and put on a decent dress. Beware the Coco Chanel men. Ruth, make yourself more presentable. Now don't get this wrong. Naomi doesn't mean for Ruth to tartar herself up or even to dress to impress. We're not talking about jewellery and fancy clothes. It's more likely that Naomi means that Ruth should come out of mourning, that she should signal her return to normal life, that she should show that she's ready to move on, and that she's available for a relationship. So far, so good. Naomi goes on, Go down to the threshing floor, but do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. Now this old girl is definitely up to all the tricks. Girls, if you want a man to be receptive to your advances, you know what to do. Feed him first. But feed him proper food. I mean, none of this fine dining nonsense. If he wants his food to look pretty on the plate, you're probably best to leave him and look for a proper man. But then Naomi's plan takes a bit of a strange turn. Then it shall be when he lies down that you shall notice the place where he lies and you shall go in, uncover his feet and lie down and he will tell you what you should do. When he lies down, Ruth, note the place. Remember, you'll be outside the city. There'll be no light. It'll be pitch dark and torches haven't been invented yet. Note where he lies down and when it's dark, you go and uncover his feet. Uncover his feet. Well, the word that Naomi actually uses isn't very specific. It doesn't necessarily mean feet. It's a vague, general sort of a word for the lower part of the body. It's vague, and that's probably deliberate on the part of the storyteller, because there are more specific words he could have used if he'd wanted to. It could mean feet, but probably what Naomi means is, pull those blankets right back, girl, and climb in beside him. Now, I've got to say to the girls here, I don't recommend that you try this. If you've set your sight on a man, look for the opportunities. By all means, make yourself presentable, even the Coco Chanel. Feed him well, but don't try this bit. It's too risky. But having said that, there's not anything necessarily immoral in what Naomi's suggesting. It's just very risky. That's all. Well, I don't know. I mean, maybe in those days this was a customary way of saying, ask me to marry you. That would fit with the way Naomi adds that he will tell you what to do. And it's about the only thing I can think of to excuse it. Or maybe Naomi was just so sure of Boaz and Ruth that she trusts them to behave with perfect purity. But even at that, it's still risky. There's a lot that could go wrong. I mean, Boaz could mock her. Or, even worse, he could take advantage of the opportunity and we could end up with a scene that you wouldn't want to read about in the Bible. Or Ruth could end up pregnant, or Boaz could bring humiliation on her and he could call it entrapment and he could malign her and he could brand her an immoral woman. A lot of risks here. And remember, this was the time of the judges when the level of morality in the whole country was at an all-time low. 
a very risky plan you've come up with, Naomi. So a risky business, whatever way you look at it, but Ruth says to Naomi, I will do whatever you say, which says a lot about her commitment and trust, doesn't it? Well, Naomi's up and running again, isn't she? Gone is the broken woman who said, Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord has brought me home again empty. Gone are the, the poor me's. Her whole outlook has changed. She's concerned about Ruth's future, and she's taking responsibility, and she's come up with an idea. It would be much easier for Naomi, and much less risky, to leave things alone. Boaz would probably let Ruth go on gleaning in his field next year and there'd be enough to live on and they would get by. But this plan of Naomi's could go wrong and that would be the end of everything. It's risky for everybody, including Naomi herself. Even so, old Naomi spots her opportunity, comes up with a plan, sets it in motion. She doesn't have to. She's under no obligation but she wants Ruth to have a place of tranquility and peace, a place of security, a home. Naomi is taking the initiative to do hesed. There's that word again. It comes up here. It's everywhere. Naomi is taking the initiative to do hesed, albeit in a way that's not sinful, but how should we put it? A way that is somewhat questionable. Well, there we are. What are we meant to do with this? What are we meant to learn from this part of the story? Way back before they left Moab, Naomi prayed for Ruth and for Orpah, you remember. She prayed, The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest each in the house of her husband. Then it was something that she was asking the Lord to do. But now God has provided an opportunity. And Naomi is grabbing that opportunity to bring about the answer to her own prayer. She's grabbing the opportunity to do hesed. And that's not the only time we see someone in the story grabbing an opportunity to do hesed. In Act 2, it's Ruth who takes the opportunity God has provided when she goes out to glean in the fields. Here in Act 3, it's Naomi, and in Act 4, we're going to see Boaz using the opportunity God will provide for him to secure Naomi's property and Ruth's future. Each time, it's hesed, it's loyal love that moves them to do that. And maybe we can learn from that. Learn to look for the opportunities that God provides for you and grab them. Is there something you've been praying for? Something you believe would advance God's kingdom? Maybe it's a need in the church. Maybe it's somebody you've been praying for, somebody who is in need, somebody you long to see saved. Do you see an opportunity? Has God given you an opportunity to do something to bring about this thing that you have been praying for, an opportunity to do hesed? Well, I think the message is grab those opportunities. You might have to look for them. 
and you might have to give it some thought. It might take a bit of creative thought to find those opportunities. You might have to think outside the box to find them. Naomi did. I don't think that plan that she came up with came to her without a lot of thought. And there was no guarantee that Naomi's plan would be successful. She took a risk with it. Naomi didn't know what the outcome would be. She hadn't read the story before like we have. God provided an opportunity. She came up with a plan. It was a risky plan. It was potentially costly for her. It would have been easier for her not to bother, not to do anything about it. But hesed, love, loyalty, faithfulness, kindness, goodness, hesed drove her. And she went for it. So when you see your opportunity, you'll have to think to come up with a plan But however clever your plan is, you will have no idea what the outcome is going to be. It might go well, it might not. It could go horribly wrong. And there comes a point when after you have given it your best thought, you've got to make the jump, you've got to take a risk. Not thoughtless risk, it's not all caution to the wind risk. But there is such a thing as inactive righteousness. Inactive righteousness, there's such a thing as being so fearful of doing something wrong that you never do anything right. Being so fearful of doing the wrong thing that you don't do anything and you miss the opportunities. There's such a thing as being too cautious, too concerned about what might go wrong, too afraid of being misunderstood, too concerned about what people might think, too concerned about how you look, too concerned about your reputation, too concerned to toe the line. Sometimes we are more concerned about looking righteous than we are about doing hesed. Don't wait passively for your prayers to be answered in other words. Look for opportunities. And when you spot those opportunities, grab them. Make your plan, give it your best thought, and then get on with it. Take some risks. It was an incredible plan, wasn't it? Was it a good one? What do you think? Wasn't strictly sinful, but was it wise? But the storyteller, you notice, doesn't actually pass any judgment on Naomi's plan. In fact, he seems to go out of his way to create an air of vagueness about the whole aspect of it. It's like he wants just to leave that question hanging there. Was it a good plan? Maybe there were circumstances we don't know about. Maybe there were customs we're not aware of. Was it a good plan? I really don't know. But it was an incredible plan. It was bold. It was audacious. It was risky. Where did Naomi get the nerve? Was she blind to the risks? Did she not care? Was she hoping Ruth might end up pregnant and Boaz would have to do the decent thing? Or was Naomi so sure of Boaz and Ruth that she knew they would behave themselves and that Boaz would be deeply moved and want to marry Ruth? Did she know that he really did like her and that all he needed was a bit of reassurance that she liked him? The storyteller doesn't tell us any of that. He doesn't tell us what Naomi was thinking. 
We don't know where she got the nerve. I said this at the beginning. I said, now Naomi is seeing the hand of God in what has happened in her life. She's come to realize in her own words, the Lord's kindness, the Lord's chesed has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi is seeing it now. She's seeing God at work in the harvest fields in Bethlehem. She's seeing God at work in Moab when Elimelech died and when Malon and Killian died. And God was at work when Ruth came home with her and when Orpah turned back. And God was at work when Ruth went out to glean and when Boaz showed such kindness. In all of it, God was at work. And Naomi sees that now. She sees it now. The Lord's kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. It never does. And Naomi is seeing that now. Everything is based in the chesed of Almighty God, who is at work in everything that happens. That is life under the shadow of his wing. And you see, when you see that, you can afford to grab those opportunities that he brings your way. You can afford to make your plans and take risks. Big risks. Because you're confident that you're under the shadow of God's loving wings. And even if your plan isn't 100%, it's the best you can come up with. But even if it's not 100% and even if it should go horribly wrong, there are no guarantees. The point is, God is still doing his good thing. You're still bathed in the chesed of God. You're still in the shadow of his almighty sheltering wings. The story is not about Naomi. It's not about whether her plan was right or wrong. She's not here as an example for you to copy, as they say, you do not want to copy this plan. And boys, if any girl does this to you, you run for your life. The story is about God, the knowledge of whose hesed gives the people the nerve to boldly grab opportunities and take risks in order to show his hesed to the people around them. That knowledge... Knowing your God in that way helps you to dream big dreams. Knowing your God and being confident in his faithful love, his chesed, helps you to see opportunities and think up ways to do good and make plans to grab the opportunities he gives you and to do those acts of kindness. Knowing your God and being confident of his chesed helps you to witness and to go out on a limb, and to take risks for him. Do you see? As long as Naomi could only say, the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me, she could never have come up with this plan. It was only when she awoke to the kindness of God that she came alive and swung into action. Which just leaves the question, have you? Have you woken up to it, really? Do you know your God? 
Do you know what Hesed means? Do you really know the kind of God he is? You know, if knowing about God's Hesed is just something that satisfies your, your quest for knowledge or it's just something that makes you feel happy and sing hymns, I don't think you have really woken up to it. Are you seeing the opportunities God is giving you? Opportunities to put his Hesed on display. Are you thinking, actively thinking of ways to exploit those opportunities? Going out of your way to exploit them? Are you thinking outside the box? And are you grabbing those opportunities? Are you giving them your best shot? Are you taking risks? People and churches that have awakened to God's Hesed will do that. And those, in my experience, are the people and the churches who are seeing things happen. They're the ones who are seeing people saved. They're the ones who are seeing lives transformed. Sometimes just we're too cautious. I wonder, is there a wee bit of righteous inactivity about you? Are you paralyzed by the fear of doing something wrong to the point where you're missing the opportunities to do something good and put God's hesed on display? It says in the book of Daniel, the people who know their God will be strong and carry out great exploits. Let's pray together, shall we? Thank you, Father. It's a strange story to find in the Bible. It caused many a puzzle for lots of people. But we do thank you for the example of Naomi's boldness. We thank you that you gave her the courage, and we thank you that it was through knowing you that she was able to do that. So help us who, who know you. Help us who are delighted by thoughts of your hesed to be strong and courageous and bold in serving you. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.